Hi, I'm Helen and this is Why Mums Don't Jump. Busting taboos about leaks and lumps after childbirth. All the stuff that happens to your pelvic floor that no one ever talks about. Incontinence, prolapse, pelvic pain, problems that affect millions of women. One in three. I'm one of them. I have a prolapse. My pelvic organs fell out of place after the birth of my second child. And if you had told me back then that I'd be speaking about this stuff out loud, I would have told you to give your head a wobble. Hi, welcome back. Uh, we are at the end of season four. I know. I never, when I set out to make Why Mums Don't Jump, I, li- I genuinely didn't think we'd get past season one. Um, but there's just, once you start going on this, there's so much to talk about, um, as you know. And yeah, now we're at the end of season four. And so much has happened over the past few weeks. Um, I made my TV debut in the local news this week. Uh, which I did have to watch through my fingers. Um, Yeah, but it's fine. It's all good. Uh, There's been newspaper coverage as well. Uh, That short film by the animation students at Falmouth University, which is a must watch if you haven't already. It's like a minute and a half. Promise you'll you'll love it. And obviously the massive thing that's happened, the launch of the book, which still feels like a dream. Um, I've had the most amazing messages and reviews from women who've read it to saying you know the usual stuff like just knowing there's a whole community of women experiencing the same thing at the same time just helps immeasurably doesn't it and knowing that there is life beyond whatever issues of making things really hard right now feeling more confident to seek help one woman described how it made her um she said it made her laugh cry and say ah I see (laughs) which was a huge compliment. It's exactly what I wanted it to do. And um, and yeah, it's always just a privilege to hear from you all. So please do keep spreading the word and um, leave a review if you can spare a few minutes. Uh, it all really helps. Today's episode, hypopressives. Um, no doubt you've come across them during a late night Google. That's where I first heard of them. I've never actually tried them. Uh, But anecdotally, I've heard good things, especially when it comes to prolapse. They're not easy to describe, I don't think, but they're they're basically a series of breathing and posture exercises. Um, They've been on my list of things to look at for a while, but I I just wanted to be sure that I was comfortable exploring them because they're not currently a recommended treatment or certainly not in the UK. Uh, but I do get a lot of questions about them and I've, I've asked around a bit and I think it's really interesting and clearly it's working really well for some people. So I wanted to give you a flavour of what it's about and what the evidence is. So I've been speaking to um, a lovely woman, Alice Houseman, who's a hyperpressives trainer. Her background is in gynaecology nursing and she's currently working to publish some research about hyperpressives. She's a mum, she also has prolapse, and this is how it all started for her. So after my third baby, I had a prolapse. He was a very unexpected home birth with my in-laws present. Oh my goodness. Um, Yeah. That's a whole podcast in itself. (laughs) I know. I won't go into too many details, but they are so lovely. And it was was fine, (laughs) but I did think, oh gosh, this doesn't feel great. And I didn't tear anything, but um, in the next sort of few weeks, I thought, gosh... Yeah, something's changed and then just kind of waited for things to settle. And obviously you get that kind of a little bit of natural improvement. But after that, I was like, no, this is not good. So 
my prolapse was actually very slightly external as well. So I had a constant bulge in my vagina and then it was kind of in the evenings, it was kind of, you know, coming out a bit and it was really, really quite distressing. And my background is in gynae nursing. So I used to look after ladies having prolapse surgery and kind of, it had totally been on my wavelength, but not for me in my thirties with three children, struggling to leave the house, struggling to go on a walk without having to nip behind a bush. I mean, we live in the country, so I could do that. But <laughs> going into town, I just, oh, I just kind of became slightly like, well, just didn't really leave the house with the kids. So you had, you had um, inconstant sim- symptoms of urinary symptoms as well. As, yeah, more yeah, like really um, bladder irritation and yeah, some stress incontinence as well. Mm. But the main thing was the bulging, the heaviness, I mean, my cycles, my periods felt incredibly uncomfortable. I just like really quite unbearable for a couple of days. And I saw my GP and she was lovely, but she took one look at me and said, well, just carry on with your pelvic floors. And when you can't cope with it anymore, then I'll refer you for surgery. And I was 34 at the time. Mm -hmm. So it was really at that stage I did start Googling and I looked up you know, I kept looking on the internet and it was after about 18 months, I literally stumbled across hypopressives and it was through a, it was a lady speaking about her own experience and I read it and I was like, I've got to try this. And immediately with, with kind of my NHS nursing head on, I thought, gosh, this isn't something that I've, you know, is recommended in the NHS Mm -hmm. and kind of looked into that a bit. And I thought, you know what, I, I don't care. I, I like, I don't, I can't live like this. And so that, you know, that kind of started me off on the journey. And I actually then trained as a trainer, never intended to teach, but had such good results. I was like, wow, this is more, more women should know that this is potentially an option to reduce their prolapse symptoms. Mm-hmm. It's a funny one, isn't it? So you go, I'm, I'm, I'm like, well, so you're coming at from the nursing side of things and you're thinking, hmm, I've never heard of this before. And I was coming <laughs> at it from the journalism side of things and I'm like a natural cynic anyway. Yeah, and it's yeah. so, you do, you go into that Google mode, don't you? You start looking at all these things and then there's some things you definitely park in the kind of, that's a lot of nonsense category. And yeah. then there's this stuff that's kind of officially recommended. And then, yeah, like for me, hyperpressive was something that was kind of in the middle. I was a bit like, hmm, kind of need to know more about this pile. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and to be honest, like, then just because of everything that's happened and um you know I've been able to manage my prolapse symptoms through exercise and pelvic floor yeah. exercise and stuff um and I, and I also I will get into this but I, I get the sense that it's it's quite a commitment as well like to, to learn hyperpressives and to, to keep them up um so I guess this is the, really the first time that I've had a proper conversation with someone about them so I'm yeah I get I get messages from people quite often asking yeah. me what they are and, and what it means and everything so um so hopefully we can answer a few of those questions or yeah. thoughts um so what like generally speaking tell, tell me more about hyperpressives where have they come from what's the theory behind them what do they look like yeah, so it was originally developed in Spain by a physiotherapist called Marcel Calfries, and he was working with postnatal women and observing that when they did normal core exercises, their prolapse symptoms were getting worse. 
And so he developed this, it's essentially like a low pressure exercise technique where you, you basically um, create a vacuum in the tummy and the pelvic area and use different poses to retrain the core and the pelvic floor to work more automatically in the background. So we're working on that kind of um, autonomic side, that reflex activity, which actually in terms of core and pelvic floor, it's the majority of how those muscles are working anyway so that's where it started it's sort of been since developed into fitness techniques and there are you know different ways you can learn it and there are different nuances of the breath work as well which I didn't actually really know about until I started doing my own research into it but there are definitely ways you can do it to get better results from a pelvic health side which um yes is 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 good to know it's a good thing to know and um and so, and if I've seen sort of videos and, and pictures of people doing it, and it looks a bit like um, I might be totally wrong. You know, like when you see weightlifters um, pose, or bodybuilders posing yeah. for contests, and they have a re like the really concaved tummy, they yeah. breathe in right underneath their ribs. And mm. when I've seen people do it, it's kind of like you do that, and then I see them doing kind of like yoga poses around yeah. that. Is that? Yeah, I think. As a, as a technique, I think it is quite widely misunderstood, primarily because when you look at it, it looks really weird and it looks like you're pulling in your stomach. And I know that if I was looking at it um, from a pelvic health perspective, if I was working in pelvic health, I'd be like, what has that got to do with anything to do with improving prolapse and incontinence? Because essentially, you don't want to be sucking in your upper abs. You don't want to be... I mean, it just looks weird. But actually, what we're doing is because we're reducing pressure, the vacuum that we create is actually completely involuntary. So you exhale, so it feels like a normal exhale. You hold your breath, you pause, and then when you stretch your ribs sideways, your basically the deep core muscles contract and kind of move up, and the pelvic floor follows, and it follows synergistically with the diaphragm as the diaphragm moves up, and it kind of umbrellas, and the pelvic floor moves. And we know that the pelvic floor mirrors the movement of the diaphragm so it's a really amazing way of accessing the pelvic floor through breath and releasing and toning and getting the core to function more as a unit um, but yeah that it does it looks weird and I think it's very misunderstood but I think we've not really tapped into it in this country and you know it's it's exciting I think yeah I mean I um I just welcome anything where we can explore new techniques or ways to, to help people, yeah. you know, why not? And it's, it's exactly. not going to do you any harm, like exactly. different things to try. <laughs> when you first tried it, what was that like for you? Like, how did you get your head around it? Did you just get it straight away? Because it, it does sound yeah. very complicated. And I'm not going to lie, I have actually, <laughs> I did try the other day when I knew we were going to have a chat. I did sort of stand in front <laughs> of the mirror and try, ha like have some random try. It didn't go particularly well. Yeah. But what was your experience like? Um, I, I am actually quite uncoordinated, so <laughs> I found it incredibly difficult to um, to work out what my body was basically doing, because my posture was really off anyway, and the breath work was, I was very, very stiff um, in my rib cage, and yeah, but it, I did get it, I got, when I started practicing every day, I did get it quite quickly after that, and within three to four months, my symptoms had basically reduced to the point where they were pretty much non-existent and it literally fell I mean it felt pretty miraculous um I went on to 
you know, really develop kind of the rib stretch and things after my training. But even the breathing and the release of the diaphragm seemed to just have a positive effect on things like the pelvic congestion I was experiencing and that heaviness. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it took a while to get it. I mean, I think now when I teach it now, I've taught hundreds of women. I've got like, um, like a step-by-step guide that I follow and it's really effective. Most people get it within about five, 10 minutes (laughs) and actually then they practice and they get better at it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Is the, and the idea is that you practice every day, right? Is that... Yes. So I recommend you do about five or six days a week, about 15 minutes. So most of my ladies will do Monday to Friday, 15 minutes when they wake up in the morning. Um, And for the benefits that they get, it's kind of like a no brainer because you hit posture, core, pelvic floor, you decongest the pelvic area, you... It's very relaxing. It's a very mindful technique. So it's kind of really calming for the nervous system. And it feels great. It's an exercise and you're, yeah, you're moving your body. So, and with all the, yeah, the benefits that come with it, it's, it's really fantastic. And kind of bear with me, because like I said, this is really the first time I've really kind of thought about it. How would you, like just in real layman's terms, how would you describe what that 10 or 15 minutes looks like? I mean, I know I gave a terrible description of a bodybuilder, but what, (laughs) like if, if there was a video of someone doing it, what would it look like? Okay, so for example, you'd be lying on the floor with your feet flat on the floor, knees bent up, and you would pop your hands around your ribcage, fingers at the front, thumbs to the back, and you'd just breathe in and out three times. So the in-breath is through your nose for three. The exhale is slightly slower, so we're not trying to exhale out more than we've breathed in. And you do the in and the out three times, then you hold your breath out, pause, slowly stretch your ribs sideways towards your hands, and that creates creates the vacuum. You basically don't want to to over exhale, you don't want to kind of transfer positive pressure to the pelvic area, which is a mistake I see a lot. And I think that's where people can kind of be like, oh, I got some improvements, but not really that very much. Um, the technique does need to be kind of really good with the breathing. Okay, all right. So it's kind of, it is looking maybe like a little bit like yoga, a little bit like Pilates, but there's just exactly. different breathing exactly. happening. Yeah, so yeah. you work through flirt, flirt poses. So you start off on the floor and then we start to introduce standing poses, kneeling, quadrupeds, sort of on all four sitting poses, lunges, we've got bridge, um, different kind that work more up the front line of the body to activate more and lift through the bladder. And then ones that kind of release more through the back of the pelvic floor and also improve glute strength and things like that, which is so important for pelvic health. Um, so it, it combines so much stuff that is beneficial. It's, um, yeah, I think that's why it works so well, really. And would you be doing this alongside other things as well? Like, um, you know, diet and watching your constipation and um, maybe pelvic floor exercises as well or... So definitely um, um, avoiding constipation, drinking plenty of water, feet on a stool, that kind of stuff. Um, pelvic floor exercises, yeah, for some women they can do it alongside it. For I have to admit, for a lot of the women that come and see me, they've already worked with really good professionals. They've done their pelvic floors, they've done the whole thing and they're kind of like... I need something else now. So a lot of them have stopped or they sort of do a little bit of both and then they phase it out when they get better benefits from the hyperpressives. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on who we're working with and it's very, very tailored because, you know, pelvic floor exercise have got their place and I think it's really about the individual and what they need. 
Um, so like the key question, I suppose, for everyone with all of these things is, you know, what is the evidence that it works? Because I think I had a little look just before we chatted and I think I'm right saying as things stand, it's not recommended like in the clinical guidelines, as you said, which doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it doesn't work, but just that the evidence base isn't there for nice to recommend it, or at least it's not there yet. And I think I read like today, there's no evidence that other exercise programs beyond pelvic floor muscle training are more effective for prolapse but again like this is it's all just emerging isn't it and I know that you're working on a paper yourself so yeah what as far as you are aware what's the evidence that they are um, effective yeah so I think there's a there's a couple of things that have been you know kind of in terms of the research, you've got, there's nothing actually that's been done in the UK yet, which okay. is crazy thinking about it. it's been around for 40 years and the anecdotal mm. evidence is strong. So there's international studies, um, which they are good, but they're not very rigorous. So we've got, um, a, a, there's actually a really good RCT, randomized control trial that was done in 2020. Which is and like in research circles, like the gold standard of, of research, isn't it? Because it yeah, compares exactly. two groups against each other. Exactly. And that was um, Navarro Brazilis and their team. And basically they looked at pelvic floor exercises, pelvic floor exercises and hyperpressives and then hyperpressives on their own. They compared all these three groups. It was about 100 women, 30 in each group. It's a very good study. And everybody improved and there was no significant difference between the groups. So that's really good. But I still think um, in the pelvic health community, they, they, they don't just want one paper. So for me, I'm looking at that thinking, well, that's good evidence and it is a good paper. But I think there's just... I think this is a thing in women's health. There's a lot of things that need more research. And I think women are like, I don't want to wait till the research is out there. I can see it's helping women. And, you know, this was why one of the reasons why I started collecting my own data, partly because I felt a little bit uncomfortable offering something that wasn't offered in the NHS. I'm NHS born and bred. And so I thought (laughs) from the word go, I did before and after screens. And I really didn't think I would find the kind of positive data that I had. I thought, you know, maybe 50% of women would benefit, maybe even 25, even if it was one in 10. Um, And through doing that, it's been so eye-opening because generally the chat in the pelvic health community is hyperpressors help women with prolapse. But I'm like, but if you've got a grade two prolapse, is that going to help you? Is it going to help a lady with a triple prolapse? And one of those is a grade three. So through doing this research, I've actually been able to really understand the technique more and actually which women are benefiting and um how much as well so it's been I've really enjoyed actually being geeky with the research side of it (laughs) but it's hard as well when something people you think people are looking at you as well and it's like I want to be I want to be really responsible in the field that I'm working in because it's not in the NHS and I want to give women all the information they need to make an informed decision about whether or not they want to try this program because it is one-to-one and it is an investment but um, I think for the women that we've worked with, it has been worthwhile. So w- what have you found with your women? And I don't think you gave a, a figure for the sort of success rates yeah. that you found. So I'm I'm working to publish a, well, it was going to be a case series, but now it's actually bigger. So it's 74 women. They're aged in their 20s to 60s. The average is 40. Um, and we literally did a before and after screen. So it was myself and one of my coaches, Emily, that worked with me in the latter stages of this. And, During, and by screening, we mean a questionnaire? A questionnaire. A questionnaire. So they're okay. doing a questionnaire. It's the... Um, 
pelvic organ prolapse symptom score. So you've got seven questions and then we are we do ask some additional questions in quality of life and they will literally say how they are over the last four weeks and then at the end they'll do exactly the same. And then we've looked at the difference between that. And what we found is that out of 74 women, they've all improved. We actually had to exclude women who didn't have a diagnosed prolapse, were just coming from incontinence, had had previous surgery, those kind of things. So everyone is everyone in this study has been properly diagnosed, has worked with a women's health physio, and they're just coming to us kind of afterwards. So the average improvement is huge. It's an 85% average improvement for these women on just their symptoms. They all have a single, a double, or a triple prolapse. So these aren't women with minimal symptoms and um, the exciting evidence I think this is the most exciting thing is that we have found no significant difference with age stage of prolapse and numbers of prolapse so if someone comes to me to do the program I can say to them with whatever prolapse they've got you've got as good a chance as getting good improvements as anybody else who we've worked with on the program and I think really shows that hyperpressives does something in our bodies that really helps prolapse, whether or not you've had it for two years, four years, five years, whether it's really bad mm-hmm. or actually it's quite mild. Um, how do you think it works? Like what would is it is it a combination of the kind of posture and breathing and balancing in combination with, as you say, like that sort of vacuum, potentially vacuum effect? Or is is it still all I mean, I guess it's still all theoretical, right? Like until it's until we've got it all, or is it? I don't know. Yes, they've actually done some. There are research papers on looking at how it actually works. So one of them found that during the vacuum breath, the bladder actually moves up. So during the vacuum breath, it moves up. It's not to say it stays there, but there is a ligament that goes from the top of the bladder into the back of the belly button. It's a, a ligament-like structure, and every time you do a vacuum, that draws up. Now, women with bladder prolapse. Yeah, they, they do very, very well. So do my ladies with rectal seal, but it's nice to see that lift on ultrasound. Um, they've also done, looked at research to show it does activate the deep trunk muscles and it does improve posture. Um, and in terms of the other things, you know, there's research to show that it improves uh, body image, that improves pelvic floor tone, um, levator, any thickness, um, and obviously incontinence and stress incontinence and all these things. But I actually think a lot of the work that we do is through um, balancing the pelvic floor, exactly what you were saying. I think areas of tension, areas of tightness, um, getting the pelvic floor moving with the diaphragm, reminding it the pelvic floor is supposed to be doing essentially. And that's that synergistic movement there. But also I think, you know, when our pelvic floors are tight, they're not functioning well, they are inhibited. And I think hyperpressives can just offer this way of just get keeping the pelvic floor moving and in a really natural way and creating that lift, which um, I think is can be so, so important for prolapse. Mm-hmm. And then is it something that you um, have to then carry on? I mean, it's not like you do it for six weeks, then you're done, you're off, you're back to how you were before. Is it like with all these things, it's something you have to maintain? Yeah, you do want to maintain it. I do 15 minutes a day. I wake up, make myself a cup of tea and I do 15 minutes. I actually use my own YouTube videos to follow because I really enjoy doing it on a little thing. <laughs> it's part of the incentive of doing my YouTube channel as well because I didn't have anything else to follow. But it's it's nice to have that mix and variety. Um, 15 minutes a day. And I mean, it is really working towards it being a skill for life. 
Um, but also, I mean, I, I'm just so grateful. I mean, I look back, I used to get really emotional when I look back at how my, how my life was with prolapse. And now I'm just like, I can literally, 15 minutes a day, I'm pretty much asymptomatic all the time. I wouldn't even, I don't even think about it. When it was in my head all the time, I was just obsessed by it. I was so distressed. I know you've been there. It just takes know, over, doesn't it? I was going to ask, what was that um, transition like from kind of being in that headspace and then, you know, we, always, we, we try different things, don't we? And uh, sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. When did you allow yourself to acknowledge that, hey, this is actually making a real significant difference? Yeah, I mean, I think it was in the, it was in the first sort of three to four months that my, the bulge went and it's never come back. And I mean, and I don't have any bulging in my vagina anymore. I think it was moving on to doing harder poses where actually, although I'd, I was really, really good at the sort of the four month stage, I did find I'd kind of get random days that'd be really bad. And I'd be like, why is that? But now that sort of all plateaued off and, you know, I just don't get that fluctuation anymore. And I think a lot of that is to do with adding in some of the harder poses, some of the more like whole body um, and some body strength training as well, which has really tipped me into being, you know, just so much more, yes, so much better than even then. And I was thrilled with my results of four months, you know. Yeah, and, and, and it's like with a lot of these things, we're not saying that if you were to stand in an ultrasound machine or whatever, not the, or lie in it, or whatever you do in an ultrasound machine, <laughs> is that things are not going to be as they were before you had kids necessarily. It doesn't mean to say like anatomically everything is, you know, back to as it was. But the key thing, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is the symptoms, right? Like your symptoms and your quality of life, that that changes mm. and that's what that's what then changes exactly. your life right? exactly and I think the aim of any treatment and I know that the nice guidelines around pelvic health um, improvements it's all about it's all about symptom improvement it's all about what what is a woman experiencing and how can we improve her quality of life and that's that's where it starts and finishes you know that that is it that's why we do what we do everybody who works in pelvic health that's that's what you're aiming to do isn't it Thanks so much to Alice for that and I hope it was a helpful conversation for you. As ever, none of it is intended as medical advice, so please seek out your own professional help. If you want to know more about hyperpressives, I'll add some links to the show notes as well as Alice's website. On Instagram, you can find her at hypopressives underscore with underscore Alice. And I'd love to hear from anyone who's tried hyperpressives. How did you get on? Find me on social media or drop me an email. Let me know. And that's it for season four. And um, I'm not sure what comes next for me. I'm open to all ideas. I think, you know, that this has very much been a passion project for me, which kind of snowballed. And I'm really lucky that I've been in a position to roll with that. But it's, um, yeah, it's a huge commitment. And I need to work out how I might sustain that. So all ideas are welcome. And don't forget that you can support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com forward slash why mums don't jump. It can be completely anonymous if you prefer. Thank you to everyone who's done that so far because it really helps with um, hosting fees and so on and so forth. So that's it. Thanks to you and to all of the brilliant guests who have shared their stories and their expertise over the course of the last few weeks. You're amazing. You've been listening to Why Mums Don't Jump with me, Helen Ledwick. You can find me on social media at Why Mums Don't Jump, where I'll keep you up to date with what's happening, or online at whymumsdontjump.com. Bye for now. <laughs>